as spiders do, the University of Richmond podcast where we share stories about our amazing alumni. I'm your host, Maggie Johnson, from the class of 2018. Today, we're bringing you two stories of alums who started their own food businesses. Elena Schroeder-Beck is a 2006 alumna who started an at-home cake decorating business after a career as a graphic designer. And Christina Chen, an alumna from the class of 2022, started her own food experience company to build community amongst her friends and strangers. Today is all about showing love through food. So let's dig in. Hi, Elena. It's so good to see you. I am so excited to chat with you today. I would love to start off our interview by hearing just how you ended up at UR. Man, I have to go so many years back, it seems now, because, oh my gosh, what, 20 years ago? Like, that's uh, a long time ago. You know, everyone I feel like does college tour with their with their family. So being from Alabama, I decided pretty early on, I thought Virginia was like a good spot to be because it would be close to family. Academics was very important to me and my family, and it was a beautiful campus. So that's how I, I got there. I love that. Thanks for sharing. Looking back at your four years, who was the most inspirational person that you met or encountered or had a relationship while at UR? I arrived my first day and dad and mom were there to move me in. I was one of four students in my class from Alabama. So this mom comes into my room running and going, who's from Alabama? And so um, <laughs> she brought me over. She's like, this is my daughter, Christina. We're from Alabama. And we became best friends. And yeah, I mean, we, we just kind of got through those four years together and we lived in the same apartment. She was just such, so much positivity. It was just amazing being around someone like that. She went off to medical school and now she is a ER doctor. And I still call her about like questions when my kid has a funny bite or rash. That's, I mean, it's 20 years later and we're still great friends. So. That's really cool. I love to hear that. I, I also met my best friend in college. So I love that the university brings people together that way. But I would love if you would tell me a little bit about kind of your journey through graduation into postgrad. What did you major in and how has that translated into your career since you graduated? Yeah, you know, you're supposed to have it all figured out. Like even before you arrive day one at college, what your future basically looks like. I was all over the place. I mean, I really enjoyed sciences, but that was not boating well for me, I guess. You know, I kept with it. So I, I was interested in journalism as well freshman year because I was like, maybe that could be something for me. But international studies was just a means to take a lot of subjects, you know, English, uh, political science, that's always been one big thing. I love to learn about all different things. If you know me and you, and you get to know me in life, it's about it being 20 questions when I first meet you, but I, I'm genuinely interested. I was all over the board. But when I graduated, <laughs> and shortly before I was graduating, I was like, well, what next degree? Like, where's that going to take me? I don't want to go to law school. Like, I don't really know what I want to do. And I had always been interested. Anything remotely creative, I just love that figured out, okay, I think this is back to school, like college for this. Like, no, I don't want to do gen eds. I don't have the money. Found out that there are portfolio schools. Lived in Philly, worked at a restaurant, and then I went back to school for two years. So that's how I got into design. You know, fast forward, I'm a graphic designer for eight years. I'm done with this. Like I'm burnt out from this lifestyle. I'm going to go back to school again in Chicago. I think the lesson there, and you hear it a lot, not happy in your job and you, you know, have other pursuits or passions. You want ever too old to do it. And even now, you know, who knows, maybe in 10 years, I want to try something that's not for me. Like, I like the idea of just being in a steady job. And, and so be it, like, whatever floats your boat. And the economy just like crashed, right? Back in 2009, there were like no jobs. So I moved to Chicago. There's been a lot going on before I got the pastry. Um, okay, so then fast forward, I just decided, you know what, I, I just more like I would just, I had so much anxiety, I would stress out so much, I wasn't happy. 
And so then way ever since like 2009, I remember taking a class just for fun. I think I wanted to do cake decorating. Signed up for the uh, cake decorating program. Like before I was supposed to start, I get a call. We can't do the program. And I'm like, wait, what? And I was like, I quit my job. We put off moving. You can't, wait, I have to do this program. And he's like, well, you can do the pastry put to you for the price of the cake program. So it was like a seven or eight grand difference. And I was like, well, (laughs) so... The pastry school was awesome because you got to sample all the different bread. It's not just chocolate and cakes. It's it's like everything and or sugar. Cake cake obviously was one of the little segments, but it was very short because a lot of people would go in unsure what they wanted to do, or some people would go in thinking, I want to do this. And was six months long. And granted, at this time, I had to put my son, who was three months old, in daycare full time. So I decided, you know, I really just want to just dive in. So I was so fortunate to be able to travel around. I would go to specific classes taught by like master sugar artists. So I went to Colorado, I went to Atlanta, like, and I would go, sometimes a class was six days long and it was Colorado to learn how to do a sculpted Medusa. So, you know, learning how to do sculpting the, um, you know, within the cake, you have to learn how to build up so that it's not going to collapse. Right. Cause you have to make sure that it's well built. I, you know, learn. And to me, it was just also fascinating. So some of the things that I found that I love the most, I would love doing kid cakes. I had mom friends that had kids and they all needed first and second and third birthday cakes for the pandemic hit. I was going to get into wedding cakes because I'm like, this is where the money's at, you know, especially being a home baker. But what bride is going to trust a baker that just makes child's cakes that they can make? Like, this is my first time just kind of starting my home business. So I started reaching out on Facebook to all these vendors. Like there'd be great Facebook groups, you know, just wedding planners. And they would set up styled shoots. They would get models to people to model and become a bride and groom for the shoot. And then I could do, you know, most of the time it was like, I could do whatever I wanted within a state of freedom, um, which is something that kind of, you know, graphic design, I think lends itself well, you know, you need to um, obviously be creative with um, the artwork on a cake, but how you make peace and feel, you don't, you know what I mean? Like there's a lot to it. And so I just started reaching out in nine of them in a span of like a year and a half. And I got all these beautiful photos. So that's how, you know, it was the worst timing ever with the pandemic, but I just still kept doing these styled shoots and it was a great way to network. And it really just gave me insight. And I feel like I learned so much from those two years I was doing it in Fort Mill. That's great. I love your creativity and finding new ways. Even, even though it was bad timing with the pandemic, I love that you just really tried to branch out to, to find ways to build your business. That's really cool. Tell me, what is something that surprised you the most about the wedding cake industry? I, I think the cake shows, you know, all the different cake shows, people from watching those don't quite understand what is involved with making a cake. Those cake artists actually get to um, bring in most of their cake already made a lot of, because actually I worked at a bakery briefly in Charlotte and she went on one of those shows. She's like any decor, as long as you make like all of it, but one piece, you can bring it with you. All of the cakes. Yeah. They can make a three, four tiered sculpture cake in, in an hour. And I'm like, no, from start to finish on the majority of my cakes. And this is with anything that has really detailed five to seven hours to 15 hours to 20 hours. You work ahead of time, a lot of time with the fondant because it has to have time to dry. I mean, it's just crazy to buy all the different materials. It's not just buying fondant or eggs and butter and sugar to make cake and buying gel colors to dye everything. You know, I had special rice paper if I was doing a certain, you know, I mean, it adds up. And so when you, when someone would reach out about a cake, I think that's really hard in starting your business for the first time is that you don't want to overcharge some business or you don't feel like your work is good enough to charge what you would ultimately like to charge. I want this Lion King cake and I want a uh, Simba topper and I only want to pay you like 50 bucks. Well, that's a good one because um, you know how many hours that's going to take me to make? You know how much it costs? But you can't really go in and explain that. to. I mean, she could, but 
So I'd be like, sure, 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 sure. I'll, I'll make it for you, you know? I love how that you were just unafraid to to make a jump and try something new. I think that's really impressive and something that we can all learn something from. Can you tell me a little bit more about your career as a cake baker? What's it been like to build a home business? I think it's great. If anyone wants to start your business to do it, they, could, they should go for it. I think you do have to keep in mind though, you know, you own business and I can work my own hours, but all of a sudden you not having that nine to five has now become all those, you know, on the weekends when you don't want to work or, you know, I mean, there's always going to be gives and takes. And I just think it's never too late to start over. Don't stay where you're at. Necessarily. You know, I know there's always reasons, like if you are providing for family, there's, there's no point to be miserable in life. Life's too short. This, but I, I am a live day by day person. Tomorrow can be my last day. So I'm just going to live today. What's the most challenging part about working from home or, or running your own business from home? So I do have four children. So having four children under five years old is a lot. You know, up until now, it's been very just difficult because they weren't sleeping through the night. You know, we were barely sleeping with my cake business with Liam was in daycare. And then I um, had just had no summer 2019 and uh, we moved into our new house like a week before he arrived. So when I started that business, you know, at first I would, I would just work in between. I would work and that became exhausting. But I think right now, and I, I think if you talk probably to the stay at home mom versus the working mom and, you know, if I did work, the kids then would have to be in full-time care. So my salary for children in, in daycare, right? So I'm like, you have to weigh everything. And I realize after, you know, I had Liam that being a 100% stay-at-home mom wasn't happy. Like I needed something. I, I feel like a lot of moms feel like they lose themselves. But then at the same time, you know, it, you can't have it all. You just find the balance that works for them because what works for one family isn't necessarily going to work for another family. It does take a village. And we only have my mom to help us out. So it is, it's really tough. Yeah, absolutely. I think, you know, having your community of people is is always so important. Looking back on kind of your life since graduating, is there anything you would tell your college self, you know, just based on your life experiences since you graduated? If I could go back in time, I'd enjoy college a little bit more. I think I was so focused on academics and so in my life that I didn't really let myself just have a good time. I think growing up, there was just so much pressure. And I think we do it to ourselves, you know, like what else would you get other than A's? Anxiety issues until way far, you know, like, where was I? Like mid twenties, small panic attacks. Like at school, when I take a test, I'd literally start shaking. You know, it's hard to talk about that because that's not something you usually want to share with people. But the more I've been open anxiety or depression issues, and they're also a medication. And for me, it was life changing. And I'm in a much better mental, emotional state. It was really hard to enjoy college in a lot of ways. I think it's just, it was just such a beautiful experience. I just wish I could have gone back in time and enjoyed it a little bit more because I think every student should enjoy it. Thank you so much for sharing all of that and, and being so open and vulnerable with me today. I have one final question for you. What does it mean to be a Richmond spider? When I meet another spider, we could be years apart. Like you and I, you know, we're like 12 plus years apart right now, but like an immediate connection. And, and that's not something you get at every school. You can start a friendship. I feel like so much easier when you have that in common. We'll be back with Christina Chen's story after a quick spider ad. Homecoming 2023 at the University of Richmond is here from October 27th to the 29th. The festivities begin with Spider Day on Friday, October 27th. Join us for an evening festival under the stars at Millheiser Green from 6 to 10 p.m. Then on Saturday, October 28th, head to the Jepson Alumni Center for our alumni and family homecoming party. Next, 
Catch up with old friends, connect with current students in the BSA, and enjoy fantastic food and drinks at the Urban Tailgate at the Cave. And don't miss the Spider Brews Tailgate and Craft Beer Tasting at the Forest before cheering on Spider Football as they take on Campbell and Robbins Stadium. And for our young grads, close out the weekend at the Young Grad Homecoming Brunch on Sunday, October 29th at Three Notch Brewing Company. Don't miss out on the fun. Visit homecoming.richmond.edu for a complete schedule and to register. We'll see you there, spiders. Thanks so much for coming on the show, Christina. I'd love to start by just hearing how you ended up at University of Richmond. I went to a high school in Rhode Island when I was 13 years old. I came here by myself, and when I selected college, I won a small liberal arts college, which has a business school. That's how I ended up in University of Richmond. That's so cool. What was it like coming here on your own? I wasn't scared at all when I first came here, I guess, because I went to a boarding school when I was in middle school in China. But I feel a little bit disconnected from the local community when I first came here. And food has been helping me a lot to connect with others. When I first came here, I could barely speak any English. I did not know anyone. And because I live in the um, boarding school, I did not know um, outside community. But I feel not disconnected until my, one of my classmates invited me to their home's Thanksgiving dinner. And I understand their culture and how they celebrate Thanksgiving. And I build a connection. That's so fascinating. Thanksgiving is my favorite holiday. So I get obsessed with Thanksgiving. So I love that that was kind of your first experience in connection here. What is Foodie Paths? So Foodie Paths is an online marketplace slash platform that allows foodies to provide and participate in all kinds of food and drink related experiences like cooking class, food tours, baking class, dining experiences. And in the past, we rent our bedrooms on Airbnb. And right now, we rent our dining rooms on Foodie Pass. We are looking for home cooks who are willing to take people into their own home and having a dining experiences. How did you start Foodie Pass? And how did you come up with the idea? Where did that come from? So I always love food, and, but I don't know how to start a business related to food. And when I was a senior at University of Richmond and in a class called New Ventures Creationist, Professor Ali Bala, she's great. She encouraged me to bring the idea to your business and execute it in Richmond. The class is starting in January this year. And after the professor said, yeah, you should absolutely do it in Richmond because people want to share their culture everywhere. So I said, yes. So we began to look into it. We did market research. And then we decided, okay, it's a viable market. So we began to form an LLC in April, and we officially launched the website in June. So I actually started it when I was in freshman, and oh. I wanted to introduce Chinese food cultures to travelers around the world, and I started the platform. It, it was called Foodie Pass also, but the COVID came, and everything was shut down. So we stopped the program, and I'm so glad we can restart it here. That's excellent. I think, you know, for me, at least that's, you know, I love the foodie pass idea and, and food and drink. And I, I totally agree. It fits in Richmond so well. It's one of the reasons I wanted to move back was just that culture in the city. What are kind of some of your favorite parts of that process? Did you really enjoy the market research or is it really about the connecting with people? What's been your favorite part? My favorite part is connecting with hosts. So all the hosts that, that are on our website right now, actually, I handpick them, I found them, I talk with all of them. I understand 
what they need and why they want to be part of it. And one of our main goals is to help them to describe their business and their life in general. Each experience has a highlight that really touched part of my heart. For example, the backyard barbecue was big. He is a stay-at-home dad who quitted his job um, because of a newborn baby. And he really loves cooking and he wants to use the spare time to earn some extra income and connect with other people. That's excellent. And how did you go about connecting and finding these hosts? So I, what I normally do is I went into stores and just ask this owner here. Or I do email, I do Instagram, all kind of outreach programs. Process. Yeah, you, you mentioned kind of Hank talking about his backyard barbecuing and getting getting that that time with his family, but also doing something he loves. What are some of those other stories from hosts that, that really inspire you? So we have an artist called Tracy. She has a lot of charity projects and our guests could go into her home studio to make cups, make teacups. And a week after that, she would bring the teacups to one of our other host called Andrea, the Caritone Teas, and the guests will be able to drink teas out of the cups that they made by themselves. That's so fun. <laughs> did you always know you wanted to do something with food after graduation, or did that just kind of come out of that experience? Actually not. So I actually decided to go to grad school. I applied a bunch of grad school for sports management, and I got, I got into Columbia, Georgetown, New York, NYU. But I decided to defer that because I really love Foodie Pass. And I, I decided to work on Foodie Pass for full time. Is there one single decision that you can look back on that really accelerated your career to this point so far? I think that's the point when I decided to defer the offer from Columbia mm-hmm. and decide to work on this for full time. Because Columbia is always my dream school. And not going to grad school equals to drop out from college for Chinese parents. Mm. But I persuade them that I want to work on this. Just give me a year to prove that. <laughs> That's awesome. And so are your parents support, like you, you mentioned that you kind of had to convince them, but are they supportive of Foodie Path now? Like how, what's, what's that relationship with them like? No, they are very supportive. Uh, even like, even once I said, I don't want to go to Columbia anymore. They're still supportive. So right now, we are self-funded. Mm-hmm. So my parents actually fund um, Foodie Pass. So awesome. I'm very grateful to have them. That's excellent. That's really cool. What's it like kind of working in the U.S. with your family in China? I think it's not just for me, but for all the international students, it's a hundred times harder than working in our home countries, uh, dealing with the visa and not knowing anyone here, not having any connections. Mm-hmm. It's very hard, but I think we could overcome all the difficulties and it will be more rewarding when we make it. That's awesome. That's so cool. I love that. Up to this point, because I, I feel like, you know, what's what's so cool about your story is you just graduated, so you've got so much ahead of you. Thinking back, is there one experience or person from you are that really influenced you during your time here or on your foodie path journey? That, that, that should be um, Professor Alibaba because she's the one who already encouraged me. I still, I just texted her yesterday and updated her the progress. And she always encouraged me and pushed me to go further. And how did UARC shape your journey post-grad with Foodie Paths? You you mentioned that you were thinking about sports management and decided to to pursue this full-time. So kind of how did that 
how did UR influence you in that way? And what made you decide to truly just go forward and, and try to do Foodie Path full time? So we were in a program um, that is partnered between UR and Startup Virginia. It's called Ideal Factory that helped us to um, reshape our idea, refine our ideas and make it more practical. And from the, that progress, I realized that I need more time to work on this in order to make it successful. Where where would you like to see Foodie Path go long term? Like, do you see it with a ton of hosts? Do you see it as this big this big platform? Like, what's the goal for it? So we wish to be the Airbnb in the food industry. Mm-hmm. So in the future, everyone in the world will be able to go to others' home to enjoy a meal instead of going to a restaurant. And instead of going to cinemas, you will go to a farm tour, a cooking class, or baking class. I love that. That's so cool. Yeah. Going back again to touch on your your point about it not being able to really operate during COVID, are you still seeing any challenges kind of as we're emerging from the pandemic about people not wanting to be in each other's homes or necessarily being in closed spaces? Like what are are the is that still a challenge for you guys? Actually, that's not a challenge at all. I feel like people really want to connect with others offline right now. Yeah. And most of our guests and hosts think that COVID is over, but eventually it's not. But I think people are not scared of it anymore. What's it like working for yourself and, and kind of not having that typical nine-to-five job? We are more stressed, and I need to motivate myself to work harder and harder because I know I could work harder. And it could be hard sometimes when I want to be lazy. But I think self-motivation is very important and self-discipline. That's great. What, what do you do to motivate yourself? Go-tos or tips for anyone? So for me, I will go to my, I will go talk with my hosts. And when they give me feedback and when they say how great Foodie Pass helped them, that motivates me the most. That's excellent. Fabulous. So what's the best advice you've ever received? The one that's on my head right now is what Addie, the professor Addie told me. She said, just do it. <laughs> yes, just do it. Don't think too much. Do it and see what happens. I love that. That's fabulous. Do you have kind of any projects in the works right now for Foodie Pass? Like any hosts you're, you're hoping to work with or what's that, what's that next thing for you? So I'm actually in New York right now because we are expanding to New York. So we are looking for more hosts in New York and in Richmond. So anyone who is good at cooking or baking and wants to open up their dining rooms are more than welcome to apply and join us. And then finally, just kind of a, a final question that I ask everyone, what does it mean to be a spider? I think being a spider means the web is always there for you. You can always find connections on the web and people are very supportive because you are all spiders. Thanks for listening to As Spiders Do from the University of Richmond Office of Alumni Relations. We hope you enjoyed hearing from today's alumni guests and learned a little bit more about what it means to be a Richmond spider. This episode was edited by Maggie Johnson and Charlotte Fabatter. Our episode music is by FAS Sounds from Pixabay. You can subscribe to As Spiders Do wherever you get your podcasts. Rate our show and leave us a review to let us know what you think. We're always looking for new stories to share, so let us know who else we should feature by emailing us at alumni at richmond.edu. That's all for this episode. Talk to you soon. And remember, there are spiders everywhere, and that's a good thing. Mm